and welcome to another exciting and informative episode of Rogues in the House, a podcast focused on the genre and the love of all things sword and sorcery, delivered with 100% enthusiasm by self-proclaimed experts. So guard your home and hide your women, because the rogues are in the house. How's it going, everyone? Pretty good. I'm alive. Um, yes, things are going well. Yeah, we've got an extra rogue in the house. I don't know who unlocked the door, but we it's have a, re- a... It's a returning rogue. He's yeah. A, he's yeah. a scholarly rogue. He spends his time uh, locked up with ancient tomes. Uh, <laughs> I want to make a joke about something that happened previously as we before we were recording, but I will not. <laughs> it's Jason Carney, everybody. How's it going? Glad Balls to be here. Yeah. Yes. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you have a magazine to be editing or something? Doesn't that yeah. come out tomorrow? Yes. Yes. It's uh, going to be um, released tomorrow, hopefully around five. Uh, it's ready to go. I just, I'm paranoid and I'm proofing it over and over sure. and over again. Sure. Yeah. I, I really love and respect that you are doing that. It's so much work and you can't ever edit too much, but you can drive yourself mad doing it, you know? Absolutely. Because you know tomorrow here shortly. I promise you that. There there are going to be typos. I could proofread it like 20 times. And the moment I read it tomorrow, it's I'm going to just oh the opening sentence has a typo. (laughs) That's the way that's the way it works, man. man. It's horrible. You find typos in like professionally published and edited books, though. It's just yeah, there's so many things, and you read it so much you just start to skip over it. It's just what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm not terribly upset about them no like a couple here or there um because it's just a very it's a human thing right yeah Uh, you can't you can't help it but what are we talking about in regards to that we may as well say this now uh whetstone issue four is out tomorrow it is Mm -hmm. free for all it is this awesome digital publication and i'm talking about it but you know what jason you should just Give us a quick spiel on uh, why people need to be waiting for this to release. I say tomorrow, mind you, this is recording time. So by the time you hear this, it will be available. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll um, uh, promo Whetstone for, mm-hmm. for a, a few seconds. It's uh, um, it's an amateur magazine. We call it an amateur magazine. Although uh, there are some, you know, the, the term amateur doesn't mean you know, not skilled. It just means for the love of it. We don't pay a lot. We pay uh, $10 a story and the, um, and the word uh, limit is 2,500 words. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's amateur. It's not a lot of language being, you know, um, you know, bought for uh, cheap. Um, and the function of the magazine specifically, uh, you know, the people I work with who um, develop it is to uh, publish new authors or, or actually even even more ambitious, the idea is to get people who would not write to try their hand at writing. So I had so many friends who were like really into sword and sorcery, um, deep readers of the genre, and they write about you know Robert E. Howard and the history of sword and sorcery, but they they never t- think of themselves as as writers. And so I, like those were the people I had in my crosshairs when I was coming up with the concept. Like how do I make something that's not very intimidating? Um, like a publication venue for, um, you know, someone who 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 would otherwise not uh, even consider, um, you know, sharing some creative writing they do. So there you go. That's Whetstone. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, I love that that it's, it, it is sort of a 
almost a challenge, like to say, Hey, you, you can try this. And it kind of brought something interesting to mind. Do you think that if for a first time writer that sword and sorcery is a good genre to kind of wet your feet? I, I think so. Absolutely. Um, I do too. Like that's kind of what I, uh, I was thinking when you were saying that I was like, because it's conventions are as much as we talk about it all the time and how it's sort of a nebulous definition. Um, it's, there are some, some hallmarks there that you can lean into. And there's sort of little things you can grip on as a, um, a quote unquote amateur um, to kind of, I don't know, work your craft. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Formula is great for amateur writers or for new writers, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, pulp fiction in general, sword and sorcery is a pulp, uh, a pulp genre, you know, that's part, yeah. part of the fun of pulp is you start with the formula and, you know, you, you, you basically, you innovate, uh, you know, through it, um, you know, hewing to the formula, at least in the beginning, right. You, you have this shared language with your readers. So um, yeah, totally. I think it's a good, uh, any sort of pulp genre is a good, is a good genre for new writers, in my opinion. So. Yeah. And we've remarked on it before too. I really, as much as I, <laughs> it took me to issue four before I submitted something because I was like, oh yeah, 2,500. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I've got a story in uh, number okay, four. Logan, yeah. what, you were in number I was in two three. or three. Yeah. Okay. Please, though. Yeah. Yeah. Those I mean, both I, excellent stories. Well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but I, I've seen I've seen the call come up several times. I'm like, I mean, even just for the sake of I really like that community, so I wanted to do something. But 2,500 words is tough. It is. It was hard. But yep. uh, at the same time, it's a good challenge because I love this idea of having these really short stories that you can sit down in a short period and have one. Right. Even with. Um, I don't know. A lot of short stories that I read, it's two nights for me or three nights for me, depending what it yeah. is. So I to mean, have one, you a lot can... of Robert E. Howard, just like I've been doing El Borac again because I love it. And mm -hmm. they're like novellas. It takes days to get through a short quote unquote story. Yeah. Yeah. Like Red um, Nails or something so, would be yeah. three, three evenings for me because I, I'm getting older too. And I pass out rather quickly after beginning Same reading. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're looking for something that you can read like over your lunch sure. hour, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and i mean which is not something that it was like you can do with the topic they were going to talk about today yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite quite the opposite no or, or we got to keep burying that lead load yeah yeah it. yeah um yeah so I, I don't know i think that's awesome and i and the fact that it's free it's like come on what, what's interesting is when we decided to do uh 2500 words the idea specifically was we don't because um, when you uh, quote unquote sell or you know publish a, a work, even if it's in a zine, you're necessarily giving away what's called first North American serial rights if you're a North yeah. American writer. And so, like, even if you're like, oh, it's going to be for free, um, you know, it's it's still you're still giving something to this publication. So the idea of the 2,500 words was. Oh, we don't want to take too much from new writers. You know, like we don't want to take, you know, 5,000 words is more work than 2,500 words. But then what's interesting, it's, it, it kind of took four issues. Well, after a couple of issues, people started talking about this, that like, actually it was like some sort of artistic challenge. Like it was like this crucible of like 2,500 words. And it, yeah, yeah. some people said it like <laughs> turned them into a better writer, you know, because of like, but that wasn't the intention to like have this challenge of like tell a short story. Although I'm, I'm totally, I think that's a great thing that happened. So. 
Well, I think short stories in general are an excellent place for people who want to write something longer. Um, because like, even like at a larger, like professional publication, um, 6,000 words to tell a complete beginning to end story with at least like, you know, two, three characters in it, that's a challenge. And then when you go to write a longer thing, like it's easier to like, let your reins go, mm-hmm. but also you can still keep in mind those, like, I gotta keep the plot going. That's the point of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Short, short fiction. I th- I feel like it's non-controversial to say that it teaches discipline. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt for myself as someone who's never written a novel. Um, and still, I don't even know if I want to, like, I, I like short fiction enough and don't have lofty aspirations. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where do they find it? Um, oh my gosh. Whetstonemag.blogspot.com. You could also just straight up Google Whetstone Magazine and you're going to find it Whetstone Sword quick. and Sorcery. There is an actual professional like Whetstone Magazine that's like, I think it's like fashion, like interior yeah. design. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I haven't really looked into it, but there is another Whetstone Magazine. Yeah. Um, but it, we're Whetstone it, Sword and Sorcery. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've done that many times. I'm like, <laughs> this is not the magazine I want. <laughs> yeah. No history well, of fashion or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's yeah. That's hilarious. You know what I think it's time for? I think it's time. We all have a sip, uh, have a puff, have a, have a jaunt into the bazaar of the bizarre. So who's going to go first with the bazaar? I think I think old leather hat should go first. Oh, okay. Yes, I am wearing my tried and true traveling leather cap. Um, so I do have two things that are, well, one is very bizarre and it's very bothersome to me, but I'll go with the one that gives me joy right now. Just last, it was last Monday, I believe it was. I participated in a new RPG game that I I saw at Gen Con, and you know we talk all about swords and sorcery. This one is guns and sorcery. World, yeah, it's World War One. Weird World War One. I. Oh, I like that. And uh, World War One is underutilized. I yes. agree, especially yeah. for the weird. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. instantly uh, okay. So, here, yes. So the game is called Never Going Home, and it's by Wet Ink Games. And what it is that takes place directly after the Battle of the Somme, and for a very long time, there's been these ripples or slight tears in this thing called the veil, which is between our world and the they just call it the other world and those tears happen during bad periods of time in history well the battle of the psalm is a particularly bloody and deadly day and so the veil rips wide open and all these powers and creatures that are very almost lovecraftian in a way but it's really more i mean it's lovecraftian in the sense that you're giving up something in order to survive, but you've got to use this otherworldly power to survive. It's really cool. It's very, very much story-based as opposed to uh, dice rolling and stat-based. Alex, um, 
some of my players, because they're longtime D and D players, you know, no matter how much role play you think you do in D and D, you really don't do as much as you really think you're doing in D and D. That's fair. Yeah. This, this is like, you're going to tell a story for 20 minutes before you even pick up a dice and you're setting the scene and it's very, uh, sandboxy if i can use that you know you can carry bring whatever you want that would be typical of you know 1916 1917 world war one uh mm-hmm. armies it's really cool it was very well done um the guy that ran the games at gen con he uh went online for us and ran us through a game we we're gonna pick it up again in two weeks it's really cool i would suggest checking it out it's called never going home by wet ink games and it's not a huge rule book it's like maybe 40 pages and most of it is like background information to kind of set the scene music mm-hmm. to my ears yeah 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 i'm too so, old for this yeah exactly exactly yeah. and now the other thing that causes me some concern and i'm wondering if maybe matt you might not have some inside information on this Ooh. i love soundtracks and yeah, I don't know if sure. you guys have uh, talked about soundtracks, you know, uh, sword and sorcery soundtracks or not on the podcast. I don't recall. Here or there, here or there, yeah. maybe just, uh, but yeah. not, not, not a dedicated subject. Anyway, of course, my favorite soundtrack and the one that I always go to, whether I'm working out, driving down the road, whatever, is the Basil Polidorus 1982 soundtrack to Conan the Barbarian. It's an amazing soundtrack. It is. It is fantastic. And you tell people that and they're like, they look at you kind of askance and they're like, you know, what is wrong with you? And then they listen to it and they're like, holy smokes, is the movie that good? And I say, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, it disappeared off of Spotify. You cannot find it on Spotify. You can find the Destroyer. You can find all the other versions that were done by other people, but you cannot find the original soundtrack on Spotify. And I don't know if it's a licensing thing because mm-hmm. cabinet went to Funcom or whatever it is or something like that. I don't know if that's part of it or if it's a regional thing or what, but it's <clears throat> of all the soundtracks that I listen to, that one has to be the one that goes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I do not have any insight. It's probably something I can find out about. Um, it's really I, weird. I don't even know if, like, I feel like Universal probably owns that. Um, because when you like, even the ones that Funcom made were sort of, uh, more so tributes to the Paladoras, yeah. uh, soundtracks, which were also very good. Um, I don't know. Remind me. I'll see what I can find out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd that the, you know, the destroyers there mm. and all of the other, uh, of the, uh, soundtracks that, uh, Polidorus did are there, but the Conan mm. one is gone and it's not just my account. It's on, I've checked it with other people's accounts. Is, is the prog one on there? The uh, the barbarian? It is on there, but it's not in an album form. You got to find it. It's like in See, bits and pieces. <clears throat> what I hypothesize happened is that someone like no name, you or me fan uploaded the album to Spotify because you can do that. Ew. Because half of the Conan <laughs> Destroyer album is some like rando that uploaded oh, it. And why do really? they let you do that? Don't let yeah. people do that. <laughs> what are yeah. we doing here? So I imagine that it was probably taken down because it was not official, or at least parts of it were not official, and it may or may not return at a later date. I don't know. Well, I God. sure hope it does sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sp- Spotify links are going to be the new YouTube videos. Yeah. Have mm-hmm. you heard the 
soundtrack for the Age of Conan game. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Very good. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's one of the best ever. And the expansions. The expansions are also very good. Yeah. Okay. And he also did the Conan Exiles as well. Yep. Newt, yep. Newt Haugen. Yeah. Very good. Newt Haugen. Yeah. Newt Avenstrop Haugen. It's the only way you can say it. <laughs> little bit of trivia. I think uh, Polidorus also did the uh, soundtrack for the um, uh, some theme park down in Florida that did the Conan Adventures thing. I saw oh, it. Really? On, oh, yeah. the Universal Studios production? That's it. Yeah. Thing? yeah. Yeah. I, did I you ever see that? the video no. of that on YouTube. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. I saw it in person. It was really great. Oh, wow. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. We don't have that in Canada. We're all communists. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't have theme parks. You don't have fun. <laughs> no. The proletariat is not creating those. What are we talking about? <laughs> so, well, that's my uh, bizarre of the bizarre. So I'm going to hand it off to somebody else. Jason, you got something? Sure. Uh, um, are we allowed to talk about like not yes. sorcery yeah, related things? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. just did. I mean, okay. guns <laughs> yeah. and sorcery. Well, this is, I think I could connect this to sword and sorcery. It's a martial artist. So yeah. um, there's the, I'm reading this uh, memoir by um, Josh Waitzkin um, called The Art of Learning. Um, Josh Waitzkin was a, like he's a, a chess uh, grandmaster. And um, he, you guys know the movie uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer? Mm -hmm. I'm aware of with, it. With, yeah. the, with the little kid. That's yeah. Josh Waitzkin. Well, he grew up to become this like really famous chess master. And he... Um, didn't become a like a world he, he didn't get like the, the the greatest honor he he was almost about to become this I, I forget what the um the award is called but he was about to become like the greatest chess master ever but he lost and so like he decided to um stop playing chess after that um and he became a um a martial artist there's a specific uh, martial arts type um I, it's it's um i forget i think it's um tibetan it's but it's called push hands but it's um it's not called push hands it's the language uh, it's translated as push hands but he like became this you know extremely uh successful you know a professional martial artist and competed in competitions and won you know these these um world championships but like it's really intriguing like uh it's about you know you, just, you would think like chess all about the mind and then martial arts all about the body and um he uh, he basically tells the story of his life, but he also uh, decodes his learning method. You know, and 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 you would think that like learning martial arts and learning chess completely different processes because you know one's physical, one's mental. Not so. It's you know he like it, it's it's probably this is going to sound like um, hyperbole, but it's it's one of the most insightful uh, books on learning that I've ever I've ever read, and I highly recommend it. I'll just give you one preview of of a, like this general principle that he makes, um, and he calls it um, 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 making smaller circles. So like when you try to learn a skill, you need to find out the, like the fundamental um, sub skills contained within it. So like mm. ch uh, you know chess, for example, right? Like when he teaches people chess, he clears the board. He just puts a pawn and a king on the board. And you have to learn all of the pawn moves and all of the pawn strategy. And like you go through one piece at a time. And then huh. over time, you like build up, uh, you chunk, you know, this like higher level learning um, because you're like kind of more like fundamental pr principles end up becoming unconscious. You know, so like mm. you might execute like this really complicated martial arts move. It involves like six different movements of the body. But when you learn the martial arts move, you have to learn all the subtle 
you know, steps involved in like, say like a throw or a jab or whatever. But then yeah. when that like jab is executed, it's like, it, it's just, it's just, it's just, um, you've kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, like muscle memory. Exactly. You've, yeah. you've filled your unconscious with the, with all the sub processes. It, it's just a, such a cool book. And, huh. um, yeah, so that's, that's my bizarre, the bizarre. Um, cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I did a tiny bit of martial arts training back in the day. It's mm-hmm. something I regret not sticking with. Um, but honestly, the chess and the martial arts discipline, I can kind of immediately see a bit of a connection. So it's it's not as it's not as weird as maybe that does seem. Mm-hmm. And also, man, listening to you, I I really miss university. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I really do miss it sometimes. Like I want to be one of those weirdos who goes back, who, who, who goes back and then just listens, you know, anyways, no time for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm well, glad to actually hear people. I mean, to, to, to talk with people who aren't like rolling their eyes at me when I'm talking about things. Cause no, no, a lot no. of my students are, are, are like that at this point in the semester, they're really zoned out. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's are the they? Time. Yeah. Or you get the students who woke up after Thanksgiving and said, Really? There's only two weeks of school left? No, it's <laughs> over. We're done. I got an email from a student who said, um, it was it literally, it felt like I was like his uh, secretary. He was like, um, yeah, I don't feel like coming to class today. Can you just send me the assignment that, that we're doing in class? And um, thanks a lot. It's like, no. <laughs> no thanks. What? thanks in advance. Yeah. I don't want to get into a discussion that I had with uh, um, my daughter-in-law and one of her classes and what an instructor actually allowed to happen. <laughs> but let's just say that uh, it's amazing what passes for education sometimes. Mm. Tell me about it. I live in communist Canada where all the universities are run by the state. Mm. <laughs> kidding i don't know why i'm making these well, all, all universities are like <laughs> communist um you know uh camps so yeah that's true go. that's true uh, anyway <laughs> we're not talking about this stuff we want to talk about bizarro type stuff yeah 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 uh just for the record i am uh speaking with verbal irony here we are not a, a communist place and i'm uh, not suggesting we truly are it's just funny funny things you hear on the internet hey yes. yeah. 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 no i'm serious uh, <laughs> I just think <laughs> that's verbal irony too. <laughs> uh, Logan, you want to hit this up? Yeah, or yeah. So um, I got a couple real quick. Um, so the first one, actually, it was kind of, I guess it's kind of fortuitous, um, brought to us by Howard Andrew Jones through the Whetstone Discord. Um, and Howard Andrew Jones bought, brought up a, a pulp character that a lot of, I think a lot of people probably haven't read because it's like very obviously Tarzan knockoff. And I think it's pronounced like Kai Gore or Key Gore, K-I-G-O-R. And he was a character that uh, appeared as like the headliner of jungle stories. Um, and I have not read it mostly because I looked at it and I was like, this is clearly a Tarzan knockoff. But I have been reading... Um, it's uh, it's what's it called? Seekers of the Golden Fetish, which is an Armless O'Neill book um, of short title. stories. Another character that regularly appeared in uh, Jungle Stories, um, and I enjoy them. They are not Robert E. Howard. Um, they were very clearly written with a formula in mind, as we mentioned earlier. 
um, but they are super enjoyable and very pulpy. Um, and Steger, S-T-E-E-G-E-R, Press, also Altus, A-L-T-U-S, Press, is collecting these. It's like the same company, two different like type, like names, but uh, they're collecting tons and tons and tons of these pulp uh, stories from adventure and Argosy and jungle stories and top notch and all kinds of stuff that Robert E. Howard did appear in. Mm. Um, these are not Robert E. Howard stories, but um, they are wonderful collections. If you like pulp, there's mm. occult detectives, there's Westerns, there's hard boiled detectives. There's the, you know, the jungle stories type thing, horror stories, all kinds of stuff for you there. You could spend thousands of dollars on it. Um, so check that out. If you like that stuff, um, highly recommended. Uh, there's also a couple like random places you can find these loose stories to read um, if you want to like check them out, um, which I might have to throw up on the Facebook page because I don't remember them off the top of my head. Um, the second thing I wanted to say is today we received the completed cover art for an oh, upcoming yeah. um, release by Rogues in the House, which is like our fundraiser for you know better equipment and yada 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 advertising um, yes yeah, it's, it's advertising it is uh not just me and matt and alex this time we have a number of people um jason's in it um matt and alex and i will be contributing but we also have like uh howard andrew jones john hawking friends and guests of the show as well as some whetstone alumnus that have graciously given us some stories to put together this. And right now I've got like half of it formatted and it's going to be like, I think once it's done, it's going to be like 300 pages of sword and sorcery. Oh my God. So, wow. Excellent. Yeah. It ballooned a bit. We kind of just uh, leaned into our friends. Um, as I've said ad nauseum on this show, I really want this uh, show to function somewhat as a conduit right um yeah. similar to whetstone discord where we can get all these people under the same roof and blah 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 and uh so you know i hate asking people for i don't know work for little return but right. um i guess the idea is it's sort of a fellowship right we're not we're not gonna like get money and pocket it it's about trying to just have to increase the platform right which yeah. is the platform which we're hoping everyone can um benefit from yeah there will also be new artwork from Sarah Frazetta, as well as oh, Morgan awesome. Holmes, who did art for Spine of the Morgan Night. Morgan King. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I got confused. You're right. You're Morgan King. Some, some no, sorry. Wires. I think I got a couple of people's names mixed up in my yeah, head. Yeah, um, yeah. If you didn't know, I am recovering from COVID. Oh, man. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so if I sound stuffy or you catch me coughing or I say something dumb, it is COVID and or medication. This is my eighth day of quarantine. Oh, my gosh. Um, I can finally taste food again. So, you know, here we are. That's my life. Well, Sorry I was vaccinated that. and everything. Uh, I'm not saying that I wasn't, but uh, yeah, <laughs> somehow got it. You know, that's a controversial thing. You still get it if you it, it's it not even help. Look, I'm sure it helped. Uh, all right, we're not getting into that because that'll just be a thing, but there's data, yeah. look it up. Um, okay, let's move so, past it. But anyway, we don't have a set release date for the book yet. Um, 
but it will be soon. We want to take our time and make it as, as we mentioned, the editing part takes time. It will mm-hmm. probably be out in spring. Um, really excited about it. It's going to be a much, I, I, I think it's easy to say a much higher quality product than the last one we put out. Oh, easily. Yeah, we we so. did the other, yeah. The last thing we did was just a sampler, something to kind of test the waters, pop our feet in. Um, yeah. you know, this is, uh, substantially more i think we're going to call it uh tentatively rogues in the house presents a book of blades Ooh, yeah, that's nice that's badass that's yeah. nice although a story from uh fultz some yeah stuff john fultz is in there you probably haven't read oh, he's awesome yeah john yeah. fultz is great yeah 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 i know why am some... i in this <laughs> <All right. laughs> dude why, why am i in this well, it's like, yeah it's what like am having, i sneaking like... in there Andy Kaufman next to like Hulk Hogan or something um, like that. Meanwhile, Alex <laughs> is like trying to brush together his three poems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's be the uh, second time he's ever written anything. Well, oh, there's man. no there's no need for anybody to feel intimidated no, whatsoever. Not at all. Um, oh, Seth Seth Lindbergh's going to be in there. Oh, yep. cool. Uh, Chuck is going to be in there. Yep. From Whetstone. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is, is he doing uh, a Turkale story? I think he is. That's so cool. Yeah, he is. I think he is. It yeah. Is. So I think I mean, it's a young Turk Ale story. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I've not even decided which of my tales I'm putting in there yet. I've got a few things on file and a few things I'm working on. So me, mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, okay, quick segue to what I, I am doing uh, for my bazaar. We're like way too far into this, but <laughs> I, <haven't thought> <laughs> uh, I would just say that recently, a couple weeks back, last week I think it was, I went to a screening of the Spine of Night. Um, yeah, it turns out Morgan King, who, you know, is the main animator, one of the directors, one of the writers of that film, uh, lives in my hometown. So he and I have been hanging out, chatting. And That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, he, it's just crazy that it's like, what are the odds, I guess? Um, so he grabbed me a ticket, went down there, and I went to this venue in Halifax. This is going to be uh, uninteresting to most people who don't live here, but it's a um, it's a propeller propeller brewery, and in the basement they have propeller arcade. And I didn't know this place existed, but it's filled with like old school arcade games like Narc and Terminator Two and Mortal Kombat. The pinball and, machine? Are you leading up to the pinball machine? Well, yeah. Well, they had all the pinball machines. I only that took, pinball machine you posted on the Facebook. It was yeah. I took a photo mm-hmm. of that. They yeah. had, uh, yeah, they got a wall of pinball machines, but even cooler is at the bar area. They have like C movie VHS covers embedded under glass. That's oh. awesome. And yeah. like weird ones, like the exterminator and like Carnosaur. Hmm. And I could oh, like, yeah. I looked to my right and I could see in the back where the guy has his office and he has all these carded action figures, like, from the old Terminator line and aliens. Wow. And I was just like, this is my spot. <laughs> <laughs> How did I not know about this? So anyways, the screening was very cool. They had like uh, custom spine of night cups and you could uh, order a blue drink, which is emulating the bloom. I suppose it yeah, was vodka, yeah. which was bull. Cause I don't do vodka despite the communism in this country. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, but I drank it because I wanted the cup. Uh, anyways, it was a great screening. Uh, people really dug it. And if you happen to live in Halifax, uh, check out any sort of screenings or that whole place. Like it was a really cool experience and I shall return. Place sounds awesome. Nice, nice segue. Nice segue. Yeah. And now 
We're going to leave the bazaar and head to something decidedly more uh, long form. Oh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong theme song. <laughs> that's also Wayne's World reference. <laughs> well, no, I was that's doing true. the Game of Thrones song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> I just read today that uh, Game or uh, HBO dropped thirty million on yeah. a pilot. I saw the Naomi that. Watts one. Yeah. Yeah. The long just night like, is what it was supposed to be called. Like, yeah, we're not doing it. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine getting, like, that big paycheck and only filming one episode? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Nuts. That's yeah. just money to burn. And it's a testament to sort of where we're at in television, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's just a different world now. Yeah. All those streaming shows. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. <laughs> hey, turns out we're talking yeah. about a long-awaited uh, 13,000 uh, volume... <laughs> <laughs> a fantasy epic uh called the wheel of time and why you may ask is this sword and sorcery show doing an episode on the wheel of time and to answer that question i have dean oh really <laughs> <laughs> because i'm just as confused as you are that's why yeah, I, know. Uh, I don't uh, know i it's adjacent it is sure. adjacent um yeah. oh but what well, I know you've got the say, answer. It's going to have gotta, to do with Conan, isn't there's it? This, the, I don't know if a lot of people know this because this is not the first time there has been a Wheel of Time TV show. Oh, yeah. 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 The very first one I remember, it was a couple years ago, actually. It wasn't even that mm -hmm. long ago because I was in a, my old apartment and uh, it has Billy Zane in it. It's oh one gosh. episode. That's a harbinger of... of yeah. bad things yeah it's a word for word retelling of the prologue of the first book Holy. and it was it was released at like midnight on like an obscure channel it wasn't really meant for anyone to see it was just so someone could retain the rights to the show wow That's very low budget i'm sure you can find it on youtube it's yeah. bizarre but it is word for word like they just use the prologue as the script Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading about it, but I didn't bother to watch. Yeah, no, I watched it because I was I was reading the second book at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was like, I'll check this out. It's weird. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess the reason I threw that weird question at Dean is because I just wanted to mess with him. But yeah, um, we are a sword and sorcery show, but we also dive into adjacent subjects. And to be I honest, connect it. Yeah. Oh, I can too. Yeah. I, I've yeah. got some connections as well. Yeah. It's just in some ways on paper, it's the antithesis of sword and sorcery, right? As far as if you're right. looking at within the fantasy sure. uh, umbrella. Um, however, it's, I, I feel like we need to talk about it um, because we really, we really do like to keep our hand on the pulse of pop culture. We've got wheel of time out, Witcher's about to come out. You've had masters of the universe revelation. These are all big, shows mm -hmm. um that are absolutely adjacent to what we're talking about and we're damn well going to talk about them so well, and the people who enjoy sword and sorcery also much like myself and everybody else here enjoys reading other things that are not exactly sword and sorcery so yeah. there are many fans out there of wheel of time i i'm coming at this completely uneducated i only knew them as books 
to be read when I was reading uh, Lord of the Rings and Conan and stuff like that. I just never, it did not pique my interest to pick up those books when I saw them being read by some of my friends. They enjoyed them, but to me, it was just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, I was reading the good stuff. I didn't need to, you know, sully my, my reading <laughs> <laughs> with some stuff. <laughs> with that low brow. Yeah, that low brow uh, stuff. Yeah, See, it's interesting because, well, like, I've tried many times, and I've said this a lot. I recognize why Lord of the Rings is popular and important, mm -hmm. but I will not try and read it again. Yeah, it is not fun for me to read. But I wanted something classic fantasy and picked up Wheel of Time. What the Eye of the World is the first book. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Robert Jordan writes excessive, like easily accessible. Mm -hmm. it, it reads yes. like a real book so and i could read it it is long i gave up reading them because they are very very long mm -hmm. and there are a lot of them um not that i didn't enjoy it but um it was very accessible so everybody else has read at least some of the books right jason yeah. you okay are they young adult i mean is that what they would call young adult now um or was it you I don't know think in 1984 that that category existed i know but yeah, would it be i don't think so either would I it be considered they might try and lump it in now only because the main characters are younger they are that's young what adults. i'm asking yeah so today it might be considered young adult I, I, but he very much wrote it for the average fantasy reader and at the time i remember reading an interview or like the reprint of an interview or something where he was saying that like originally the main character was an adult male mm -hmm. um, which kind of gets diverted up into a few characters but um he changed it to a cast of younger people because they were the people that were reading fantasy the most mm. so it was like a marketing strategy I, mm. I wonder if that was like i can't remember how long ago those books started but it makes me think that like the time of the Dungeons and Dragons novels, you know, when people were just devouring R.A. Yeah. Salvatore and the Dragonlance books. Mm -hmm. Like, was that around the same time? No, I think that was a little, I mean, it was happening at the same time, but I think the first ones came out before those books started hitting the bookshelf. Eye of the World mm. was first published in 1990. Well, oh, then. Christ. Well, that sounds around that time. Really? I, really? I thought it was 1980. I thought it was earlier. Yeah. Wheel of Time, I would have thought too. Yeah. It says January 15, 1990, right. originally published. Wow. Right. Okay. So I had just, then I take that back. I thought it was earlier, like Jason said. I just dismissed it as tripe altogether because, you know, I had better things to do in 1990. Like read Gore. <laughs> well, no, I had already read that when I was like 12. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's. <laughs> no, uh, that's interesting. I thought it was much older than that. I, I think I would have been more inclined to read the books if um, I connected to them before they were all released. Mm -hmm, like sure. when you have like this, you know, how many books are in the whole series? It's like Thir 13. 14. 13. It's like, yeah, something like that. I'm, I'm kind of a completionist when it comes to like reading. And so like yeah. if I start, yeah. I'm like, I have to finish. And so like, it's like, man, this is going to take a long time if I start down this path. You know, right. it's a lot of books, 14 that... books, 14 <laughs> books. And all of them, I think, are easily over like a thousand pages, 700 pages. Wow. They're in that. Okay. They're, they're big books. So you guys have read what? One, two, three of them. How many? I read two and a half. I read two. And I you've... read the first two. And how many of the episodes have you seen? I've seen all. I've seen two and a half. I've seen one. 
But I, I Logan's really not going to read any more than two and a half or see any more yeah. than two and a half. No, I'll get it. Yeah, I'll get there. It's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Been a lot of sleeping. So um, I had I, I no just, extra. I, okay, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, I just want to do uh, like the Crystal Shard with R.A. Salvatore was mm-hmm. 1988. Okay. And then so. the Halfling's Gem was like 1990. Uh, streams of silver must have been before that but, but the dragon those were the big ones right like they kind of really kick-started uh after uh would have brought in dragon lance and spell jammer and everything under the sun mm-hmm. um so i think it is interesting to consider that like those two things definitely were of the same they were contemporaries wow. yeah can i can i yeah. uh, mention uh it might be a non sequitur but mm. um james louder uh he who was the fiction editor of tsr in the late 80s and uh i think through the uh, um mid 90s like 94 is when he left tsr um i met him at a con i i think he would be a great guest on this show like he has like a really cool uh like a lot of insight into like that period of you know the rise of the fantasy novel you know yeah, he was like at the front lines episode that's mm-hmm. good stuff. And he, yeah. he i've seen him on other um panels and he's just really insightful about like sword and sorcery and appendix n he often is talking about like appendix n fiction which is sword and sorcery yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally so um yeah go ahead dean my I question originally no my question for the i had no preconceived notions about what to expect with this show other than there was yeah. a lot of excitement for it from fans of the books and i'm watching it i'm not gonna i'm gonna continue watching it all the way to the end i guess they've already greenlit season two but a lot of the fans of the books were like this is crap Mm. that's part of almost why i was tempted to talk about this is because you know me i I like Mm -hmm. fandom right well i don't like fandom i actually hate it (laughs) i don't hate it but i find it fascinating and i'm i can't get enough of talking about it thinking about it so um yes that's very interesting for uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say i know logan and i my feelings our feelings on it are like yeah those are pretty cool books i would maybe even consider reading more but i got other things to read it's Mm -hmm. a huge commitment yeah it's just a lot um yeah it's kind of uh, it's a little basic as far as the fantasy goes. I'm not. I'm not saying that as a. I mean, I guess I am being a bit reductive, but uh, I don't so, know. It's it's, gonna... it's it's generic in in that way. It's yeah. You've, you've seen these sorts of things before, um, and so I guess what I'm saying is we're kind of like lukewarm on it. But we, I remember when we heard the show was announced, we were like, oh yeah, I'd friggin' watch that. So like with Matt. And a lot of what he said, um, it is, you know, it's it's pumpkin spice fantasy. But I am, <laughs> I am also a purveyor of the pumpkin spice. Sure. And there is something very alluring to me about the feeling of just like wholesome classic fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the first two books because I also like Conan and I like Elric and I like Kane who goes real dark. Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. I balance it out with something that's like shiny and hopeful and like, it's just, it's just nice. Right. Mm-hmm. And wheel of time was very much that. And I totally understand why mega fans of wheel of time do not like the show already Yeah, because in that first episode, they throw a lot of stuff in there that is not what you would expect having read the first book and then expecting this to be like the first book. There are character changes, which I don't care about because I'm not a mega fan. 
Um, okay. but it's it's bloody. There's like sexual innuendo, which doesn't even happen in the books, like at all. Yeah, they, they Game uh, of Thrones it up a bit. Didn't yeah, they, they yeah. Game of Thrones it up for like modern audiences, which I get. And for those people looking for the original allure of like this wholesome classic fantasy, you're not gonna get it here. It's mm-hmm. not gonna happen. Um, it's not like a like a faithful adaptation of the novel it's an interpretation of of uh the the novel which i think is cool. yes mm-hmm. yeah no i'm fine with that i don't yeah. i don't mind at all it doesn't bother me but i see why it would bother people okay yeah so that, that's, of- that's just sorry i just wanted to say from yeah. the get i am simple uh, a lot of times i come on and i sort of hammer fandom who are like i you know if i feel like they're being too narrow or t- expecting things that will never happen mm-hmm. on this one i am sympathetic because yeah. It is a cherished uh, book series, and even if you think of like Game of Thrones season one, it was pretty faithful. Like, yeah, it it, it hewed pretty well to the you know fidelity of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that, and if and like Logan though too, I'm not uh, particularly attached to it, and my memory yeah. of it is even pretty vague. It was like I don't know, almost eight years ago, probably when I read those, and so. I actually consider myself fortunate as a fan of like fantasy fiction to kind of come in and enjoy this and consume sure. this being somewhat familiar, but not, uh, not familiar enough that, that it's going to bother me. Yeah. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I wanted to, to say from the get. Sorry, Dean, what were you saying there? Well, I mean, one of the things that uh, the biggest gripes that I've been hearing from people and I, I, I've asked people in person and also on Facebook and, and such who are fans one of their big complaints, especially with the first episode, and I noticed it, was that it seemed so rushed and so fast. It just seemed a little too, I don't know. Uh, you think the just, pacing was too fast? Yeah, the pacing was too fast. And that's what a lot of the fans said. You know, it's like, you know, the world seems a lot smaller and time is going by so much faster and the characters have changed and, and all that kind of stuff. And it yeah. seemed like they were throwing so much at us, mm-hmm. or at me at least, um because how many people have actually read these books that are watching i mean yeah yeah now i, I feel I, that because i yeah. thought the same thing yeah. not in like a way that's made like turn me off of it because uh-huh. like my old roommate was like if you're gonna watch a new show you gotta give it three episodes right right so like, i was like first yeah. off eye of the world is a lot like fellowship of the ring and that like nothing happens in the first x amount of pages all right yeah okay um and they had to get through that they had to throw Mm. some stuff at you this is the world we're dealing with this is how some of the things work these are the key players how do we give them how do we give the viewer notes of what to expect from them in this one hour we got and right. so they, you know, they did rush a little bit. And I think it's probably for the benefit of the show as a, as a whole. But I did feel that the first episode was a little bit rushed and disjointed. But well, it's a big fantasy thing. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Well, sorry, but consider this, right? Like, because I'm kind of agreeing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of you on that. Um, and just as a looking ahead, I actually think this show gets better with each episode. Yes. I, I really 100%. do. I've seen them. I've watched them all. I will agree I, with that. Yes. Yeah. By I, thought, the way, I want to, I want to officially lodge my dissent on the pacing issue. Anyhow. So really? okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's before, cause I'm actually, I've said this before. I'm kind of a pacing nerd in movies. Like pacing is really important to me. So yeah. I, I have thoughts too. 
Um, but I would say if you consider, consider fellowship of the ring, right. And this is an easy comparison to make because I don't care what you say. Uh, wheel of time is very fellowship of the ring. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but think of the movie fellowship of the ring and how long the runtime was when you were in the Shire before they really left and, and poop started really hitting the fan. You're probably like a half hour, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's a whole episode of a series. Basically. Yeah, but the Shire, you had a lot of time to sort of be awed by it um, yeah. as far as like it being uh, very calm and nice. And then that gives you a sense of what's what is at stake and what is to be lost. Now, when I watched Wheel of Time, I didn't I didn't really think, oh, my God, this is too fast. I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is exciting. We're moving along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they moved. It um, yeah, but I, I, I could see this two ways for sure. Um, I think probably with the filmmakers, they really do want to make sure, you know, episode one, we kind of hook you a bit. We get yeah. a lot of things happening. Um, so I don't know. But uh, So Jason, you think that um, the well, pacing was, you're a big fan of uh, the pacing there. Well, you think it was all good? I've only seen the first episode. So hmm. take what I say with a grain of salt. But I, I thought that this is in the shadow of Game of Thrones and The Witcher it's clearly uh, that uh, it's it's clear that the conventions of like fantasy television have been established. So I feel like the, the filmmakers were were assuming some sort of knowledge, right? Like with with the Lord of the Rings, those when those movies came out, like it was like you know you had to learn how to watch them, you know, and you had the extended version, which nobody watches the original theatrical release anymore. Like you had, and so like I I, I and I also think like they did some really clever things with um like I, one of the things that really blew me away was the the costuming. Like I, I thought oh, that yeah. the, the, the costuming like was you know they they rendered character through costume like in this really intriguing way, and also um, well I remember hearing a uh, not hearing a reading an interview with Robert Jordan where he said that Tolkien was all about um, European uh, folklore uh, and mm-hmm. mythology, and um, he was interested in bringing in some um, different mythologies, Eastern mythology specifically Taoism, Tao- yeah. uh, and I thought it was cool to see like kind of. Um, I, I, I guess I'll use, use the term like um, uh, ethnic diversity in the in, I, that's like a really low hanging fruit. But but like mm-hmm. it, 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 it when you when you hear Robert Jordan say he's trying to make a, a, a more global fantasy, right, like a, a fantasy that's nourished by multiple mythologies, like it you kind of like oh, what whatever. And I read it when I read the first two novels, I never it never really registered with me. Right. But then seeing I, I think that the, the filmmakers took that idea um, to heart. I don't know. Uh, it's just. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Land kind of jumps out to me, right? Because even when I was reading that, Land Mundragon, Land Mundragon, yeah, yeah, he he Mundragon. seemed to have, yeah, he had more of an, uh, I don't know, for lack of better, like an Eastern sort of vibe. Um, when I was reading it, and I don't know if that was there in the book or it was just something he's that full my head samurai put in, there. in the show. Yeah, like he's yeah, yeah, the show well, they kind of lean into it, mm-hmm. which really is cool because uh, i mean not only thematically but he does he stands out he's got a different hairstyle he's got the different sword style uh from the other characters um interestingly on the costumes so i've heard a lot of people say i think dean included that they felt they look too yeah. clean right yeah, yeah. and, and right. i'll let you guys kind of run away with this i would say in its defense um the way i sort of took that was their village was well off it's almost shire like you know what I'm saying? So when you look at the costumes in the Shire, in Lord of the Rings, everyone is pretty clean and well put together. And it, maybe you could say it looks too modern or if it looks too out of the realm of technology. But again, this is fantasy. Yeah. 
And I think their village is meant to look like this ideal thing that they're going to long for a thing that they're losing. And I think you're going to see those costumes kind of get dirtier over time, you know, depending on where it takes them. So for me, that actually wasn't an issue. I, I was kind of like, I don't know. It, it, maybe it was a little too fashionable or something, but. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you that said sense? that. It does yeah. because I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that that village was well-to-do. I figured it was your typical medieval fantasy village that you've yeah. got, you know, the vibrant uh, industry and, and, and the, you know, the, the economy is great and you've got the ubiquitous little woman, you know, sweeping the stoop, you know, that you'll always see in a medieval yeah. film. <laughs> Nobody swept their freaking stoop. I mean, if they even had <laughs> yeah. a stoop. Um, so I'm glad you said that. But there's a lot of things that, as Jason said, kind of a preconceived or pre-knowledge of the stories. I didn't have any of that. And thank mm. goodness I've been watching it through the Amazon player on my computer. And there's this thing called X-Ray. And if you mm. pause your yeah. uh, player it gives you a rundown of what is going on. It's like background information. And I found That's a cool. lot of cool background That's information awesome. that I didn't know about, which kind of made more sense when I was watching the film. It was almost like a director's cut huh. without somebody talking. So hmm. um, once I started paying more attention to that, I started to, I think, maybe enjoy it a little bit. So like I said, I hadn't read any of the books. So most of my critique during the length of this podcast is going to be on the quality of what the show is. And I'm a little nervous because I've got a selfish reason. Amazon is making this show. And for oh, yeah. me, it's not hitting the mark on all of it. I don't dislike it, but it's not hitting all the marks, but they're also putting a lot of money into the second age Lord of the Rings stories from the Silmarillion, which fewer people have read that than have read ever read wheel of time <laughs> right i've read silmarillion twice okay and i think i'm in the like the top 10 percent of people who's read it more than once right um nobody reads that book twice you just don't. <laughs> um and if they're doing that or they're doing this level at least what i'm saying this level of quality with a big book it scares me what they're going to do with the silmarillion so, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. I also had the issue where I thought things looked too nice. Um, see, I, in the books, I did not get that the village was supposed to be like this nice little, mm -hmm. like, well off. Well, I didn't to, get into show. Just to interject um, real quick, I'm not yeah. suggesting that in the book that was heavily uh, sure, sure, established. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, for me, what I'm seeing is where the show is leaning into the theme so much of like, Oh my God, we're losing this thing. Let's just get to this white tower and then it'll be fine. And we can go home. If home seems like an S H I T hole, then <laughs> it's not right. Yeah. It's not going to track well with, with sure. the visual piece. So I guess Very that's, that's all I get that for the but record. Also that's all in the saying. first episode, don't they destroy home? And then they make a point at one yeah. point saying that home doesn't exist anymore. Well, like I think I'm pretty it, sure that was a line. It wasn't all destroyed, but like you keep hearing um, one of them, the dude who's kind of corrupted. Um, he, he keeps talking about how I think it's him, how they can end up going home. But yes, there is sort of that illusion to like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we can't go home because friggin Trollocs are everywhere yeah. at home. Um, so, 
I yeah, just thought, because I, I also had the problem with The Witcher. Like, The Witcher gave me that vibe, too. Not as strong. But I was like, the costumes just kind of clean. Like, yeah, you eyed up some mud on your street yeah. in The Witcher, but your costume is real clean. Your hair's real nice. Like, they're trying to sell they're trying to make it sexy though too man yeah no i, mean, I get you know. it it just it didn't it didn't strike I, I didn't believe i was watching something happen i it, believed i was watching yeah. a show it doesn't feel as authentic i would agree yeah it's in, which it happens yeah N- not gonna make me turn it off but no. i feel that way has there been a fantasy film or, or television show that you know because i think one of the problems is that you can't do costuming without it coming off as being really slick like i'm thinking like on the one hand of the spectrum is is the World of Warcraft movie. I don't know if you guys remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you know, clean. It's like so clean and sparkly. The armor is like mirrors, you know? Um, yeah. But then, on, so like, what's the other end of the spectrum? Like, I'll, I can think of like historical films like Braveheart or something. Like, no. is there, is there Flesh like and Blood. Flesh and Blood? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one. That's the that's the uh, Paul Verhoeven one, right? Yeah. yeah. It's got uh, Rutger Hauer, um, uh, Jessica, what's her name? Jessica, she was in... Uh, Fast times at Ridgemont High. Can't think of her name. Yeah, I agree that the problem with like the slick costuming is just going to be a fantasy television, fantasy film thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, you can tell that that's being made by like a prop department, and the the, the people who designed the are like you know these amazing modern designers. Like, you could just you yeah. you kind of pulled out of the um the space with the mm-hmm. costumes. That yeah, might like, be true. Like, Okay. Rand's, like, Rand's Game of Thrones never gave me that vibe. Oh, really? And oh. if we're supposed to compare this to Game of Thrones, this is a glaring issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how the budgets compare. You know, maybe Game of Thrones had more budget. But uh, I watched first season of Game of Thrones and never even thought of their costumes looking weird. Yeah, but I don't even know That was anymore, the first thing I noticed for Wheel of Time. Amazon has more money than God. So they're just kind of yeah, throwing but- money at stuff. But HBO knocked it out of the park with Game of yeah. Thrones. I mean, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was, but it, the, the budget escalated significantly as yeah, it went too, right? right? Um, I would say in like Lord of the Rings actually had a lot of dirt going mm-hmm. on with it. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, their costumes weren't all muddy or things like that, but hands were always dirty. Fingernails were always, like you look at Aragorn, he looks like a man who lives in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, it is something you know we're kind of harping on a small detail but in some ways i see how important that can be in terms of selling the whole thing um and like what jason said like you really can tell some costumer was just like licking their chops like coming up with this (laughs) like oh i get to create a whole world it's going to be beautiful there there were some I, i love the costuming in game of thrones and i agree it's like more convincing but i'm thinking like um uh gosh one of the houses the tyrells the house of roses i forget the the is that is that the name um but some of those dresses are like really like they they would be at the um at, yeah, at the terrible. fashion show at the uh, fashion show yeah like, yeah but Fair. still i i don't know i, I agree that it totally was more hi- historical um uh, historical is not the right word it was more convincing right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah matt i'll agree that each episode we've watched four got mm-hmm. better and i yeah. think it was because i think the characters uh, maybe some of the side characters became more interesting to me. Um, and for those who've read the book, please tell me that, and I don't want to spoil anything, but the Glee right. Man, the Glee Man, I think that's a great name for a bard. Isn't that yeah. great? Yeah, the yeah, Glee Man. <clears throat> is he as cool in the books as he is in the show? He seems even, he's actually kind of cooler in the show to me. Yeah. I remember him being 
slightly goofy feeling in the oh, book. Yeah. I might yeah. be misremembering. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love him in the show. Uh, Tom. Yeah. Yep. Tom Marilyn. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. No, he uh, when he kind of popped into the episode, I didn't know who he was. yet. I was like, oh, man, I think that's so and so. And, you know, I think um, his song was better than Toss Your Witcher a Coin or Toss Your Toss. A coin. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, it was a good it was a good song. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. No, I think uh, I, I really do feel like each episode has has improved in quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the great thing about television as a medium, too, and we talked about this with The Witcher, is that like you can learn so much from one season to the next, you know, and then they can. Yeah. And, and at, in this day and age, these messages do reach the writers and the mm-hmm. directors and yep. the costumers and whomever. Right. Um, and so you can sort of, it's kind of a f- on the show if they don't improve, right. It should get better with a second season and a lot of shows yeah. do. So um, I yeah. thought the sets were amazing in the first episode. Like the, yeah, the, oh, tower the was visual really design. Good. I really liked how yeah. they did the Trollocs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> compared them to uh krampus yeah they i think how yeah. i thought they looked in the book they're like they do look krampus like but... <laughs> as, for, yeah. as soon as i said it my wife was watching the episode i was like it's the army of krampus come to a small german <laughs> village actually, and like <laughs> there's only one of us here that regularly yearly dresses up in later hosen too so like that would be me but okay yeah, yeah. really yeah so the, uh, oh yeah, Dean. Dean leans into his German heritage. Yeah, yeah, does. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Do you do you, uh, the eyeless ones were scary, man? Those yeah. those were cool looking. They were like vampire creepy things. Okay, there was a creature and I, the dark leader from the writers of Fade. Mm-hmm. That one was really cool. It looked like a uh, uh, basically a nod to the mouth of Sauron from the Lord mm. of the Rings movies. It was just his mouth, yeah. right? Yeah, the weird yeah. like lamprey mouth is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. That was those, really well done. And that seems to be, as I recall, very, uh, very much what the book described. Yeah, I think they're the eyeless ones in the book. Or the dude with the fire in the eyes and the face was pretty much verbatim from what yeah, I pictured in my head in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really love the way they're using magic in this that's probably my favorite part yeah. of it i really like the way magic is so strong i know that's the whole purpose of the story mm. but again thanks to this x-ray stuff i didn't realize the connection to magic and the one power and that's maybe a gripe i'm not getting that information easily without using this background information i didn't know mm. that men who have touched on the one power get crazy crazy. (laughs) yeah they kind of show it in that one scene where the guy's like talking to his invisible partner yeah right but like it doesn't really explain it it just this is something that happens and if you don't like if you didn't know i could see it easily being missed like they very sort of subtly place those things in there which in my opinion isn't really i I don't deem that as a fault i I like a lot of shows that do not spoon feed right like yeah a lot of things things you know pieces are very subtle however i think dean uh in some cases they may be assuming some knowledge right like some prior knowledge and i I wouldn't say they don't so yeah that that could be true yeah um with the men going all nuts and stuff i was you know again reading up on this uh 
the gentling i didn't understand what gentling was i just thought they were like you know what they're basically doing is magically castrating a, yeah, a dude yeah <laughs> it's like well <laughs> can you can you imagine if this wasn't a book from the 19 that from like the uh 90s like yeah. how hard people would be like that's woke it's so woke it's so <laughs> emasculating yeah obviously yeah. the guys are getting all their masculinity destroyed <laughs> what's interesting to me is that the prologue of the first book explains why they do that yeah um but hmm. and also the episode with billy zane explains why they do that <laughs> but that entire section is just missing in here um like i don't want to spoil it but it, it's cool and it makes sense to me like in that world, but it hasn't really touched on yeah. why, but at a reader, the second they hit chapter one, they already know. So. Right. But also to be fair, they may, this might be one of those things where you kind of got to look at it. Like once episode eight or whatever the last episode is wraps, um, it might be something you need to see in its completion. That's true. Because if you look at Dean, you're the only one who's seen episode four. I won't spoil too much, but Episode four has a sort of cold open in the sense that it's mm-hmm. uh, involving a character you've not really seen much of at all. And you're like, what is happening here? Where are they? What time is this? Sure. When did this occur? But it's really good. It was a solid opening um, with Fair. episode four. And so, I have not got that far. So maybe. Yeah, those little um, things may be told at different points. And that's part of the adaptation process, right? Is it like sure. a prologue in a book isn't going to work this like whatever information you feel is crucial to tell there yeah. may really have to come in for storytelling purposes somewhere else in the medium of television. Right. Yeah, well, that's fair. They, they were from, from my point of view, they did a really good job with like uh, delivering the appendix information is what I call it. Like what mm. an, a, a Sedai is and like what a wisdom is. And, you know, um, like, like I've only seen the first episode, but, I, I like that stuff. Um, I, and I, I thought that it was like cleverly folded into like the story, you know? Right. It does not feel info dumpy to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. like I've been like been loving masses, of the universe revelation part two. Um, but I will admit there are some serious info dump pieces where they just kind of are like, we have to explain this further quickly. Oh, we do it charismatically. And then we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I find this show is kind of peppering that in there fairly well. Um, which, Maybe a lot of other shows do info dump, and maybe that's why it feels a little different. I don't know. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. I am interested to see because, like, my favorite part of all this because I've done some wiki dives because I really like the ideas presented in Robert Jordan's book, especially mm-hmm. that like time is a flat circle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it all comes around again and has and like. Rusty At least in the books, here. I always got the impression Rusty that, like, the story that I'm reading is both the past and the future of, like, where I sit now, hmm. um, because that's how the wheel turns, um, which I find fascinating, which I assume comes from the Eastern mythology that Robert Jordan pulled in. So I want to see more of that and, like, how that plays out. Um, yeah, I think they do. The second book, they do which talk I more loved about more than the first book um has some huge characters in it like back i don't know mythological characters in it that mm-hmm. are going to be familiar to a reader because of that whole wheel of time kind of thing so all of this has happened and all of this will happen again yeah that, yeah yeah that's Battlestar so, galactica that is like <laughs> the opposite of, of, of tolkien like it's because t- tolkien is all about like you know um 
like he's Catholic. So he's an eschatological person. Like there's going to be an end, you know, like mm-hmm. the final confrontation. Yeah. This is like, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, you know, what's weird about the show? Like is I, when I read Robert Jordan as a novelist, uh, it, it felt like just Tolkien, you know, um, pastiche, but then seeing the show, I'm like, actually it's very different than Tolkien. It's kind of like a revision of a lot of the ideas, but yeah, I don't know. It's still pumpkin spice fantasy, but like, <laughs> sure. It's, There's it's, a lot of weirdo ideas in the later yeah. books, yeah. like yeah. some stuff you're not going to see. Um, yeah. Which, so I, well, and when, when I say like Tolkien, like what I mean is basically like, Oh my God, we need to get you from a village. I'm a wizard. I'm coming to take you away. Oh my God, there's dark riders chasing you. Oh my God, there's a bunch of orcs yeah. slash Trollocs chasing you. Oh my God, you have to cross a river at night. You know, that's yeah. what I'm talking about are, are those sort of bits. But yeah, the eyeless ones are Nazgul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. all there. You know, and you're probably a chosen one slash ring bearer. I mean, I think the cycle thing really resonates with me as a history teacher because humans just repeat the same crap we do all the time. Yeah, um, I've started reading this book called The Great Game by Peter Hopkirk, which is about uh, the conflict between Russia and Britain for Central Asia. Hmm. Right. And it's like this is just the Cold War, but before the Cold War, and it's like it's just <laughs> yeah. the same stuff. Yeah. Humans do over and over and over and again. We always make the same mistakes, take the same path, even though we know the path that's already been taken. And so, like, I taught my students that. And I'm like, yeah, this is just fantasy version of like the cycle repeats because we never make a different choice. Mm. So, yeah, I find that idea really disturbing because there are like crazy parallels between 20, uh, 20s and um, the between the wars period. Yeah, and we all know how like the between the like the, I have a friend who's all the about Weimar like, Republic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, oh gosh, that's yes. for Dean. That was for Dean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crazy time. Yeah. yeah. But um. Trying to like change the subject or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ace to die and their magic. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought nah. the magic was really well shown. It was interesting to watch. I agree. And a lot like, of weight and like uh yeah, well, there gets to be some real bone breaking happening yeah. in the later episodes too. And like like uh, oh comparing it to the Witcher, which is you know the most recent thing that like Game of Thrones doesn't really have magic in that sense, but like the Witcher's like force push. And maybe a fire thing, except in that one wizard, like witches battle episode. Yeah. But I really liked how in the first episode, they're like, boom, magic in your face. This is all the shit we can do. Yeah. Um, it's what it looks like. Yeah. I, I dug that because I don't feel like we see, like, I don't know, exciting magic a lot because budget. Yeah. Like, wait. Yeah. Wait till episode four. Yeah. There cool, is. Yeah. There's yeah. some cool stuff. Especially the scene with the magic and the arrow storm. Yeah, agreed. That okay. was, I was like, that's cool. That's like right up my alley with magic. Yeah. That was really well done. Did, did you guys think that the cast for um, Rand was surprising? Because like I, I, when, I, when I read the book, I imagined Rand as being more of like a, you know, like a, I didn't imagine him being like that tall and like, like physically like a, a presence. Like he, he's kind of like a, a big guy, you know? So Rand is supposed to be tall. He is younger in the book, but he is tall mm-hmm. and large because of things that happen in like books four or five, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Which are probably spoilers for people. So I won't go there, but like he is supposed to stand out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, honestly, he was pretty on 
brand with what I was picturing for him mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, the red hair. He, he's not like he's, he's not like jacked or anything, but yeah, he's a little mm-hmm. taller, but I think, well, well, actually this is an interesting question. Like where do you land on the cast? Because I will say from my point of view, episode one, that was my biggest concern. I was like, ah, the characters are like, okay. The acting is okay. I will tell you that I think it uh, develops more and more as it goes. Like, again, I think it gets stronger as it goes. Um, But I think, I think Perrin is he, he's the tall guy, right? He's the blacksmith. Yeah. 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 I feel like his performance is the weakest in my opinion. Um, He's my favorite character. Yeah. yeah, I don't but know what it is. The he gets to be uh, awesome. Yeah, he yeah. yeah, he gets the wolf thing going on with him. Yeah. Um and I'm not, I'm not saying he's bad. It's just I don't know. He just constantly looks like he's in pain the whole time and <laughs> maybe that's the thing, but there's no real personality there and I'm just kind of like who is this giant I look at him and I'm like, dude, I wouldn't want to share space with that guy. He's too big. He's just, he's the guy who sucks up all the, like if I'm sitting near him, his knees are all over me. <laughs> I'm just being mean to poor parent here, but uh, I thought he was probably the weaker of the cast so far. I was very happy to see uh, Rosamund Pike. Is that? Yeah. Right? She's, Rosamund she's Pike. excellent. Yeah. I really appreciate a lot of her acting and I think she does a very good job in that role. Yeah. And I, I think, um, uh, Egwene and uh, Nynaeve, like, I think they're both good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, actually, Nynaeve's the one with the braid, right? Yeah. yeah. Tugging of the uh, braid. Yeah. I yeah. love that yeah. character. Yeah. I, I get in the book, but I like the character in the first episode. Yeah. yeah. I find she gets uh, showing a lot of promise in episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes too. Yeah. But uh, overall, I think the cast are actually doing a pretty decent job. I just wasn't immediately like connecting but everything else was kind of cool enough to string me along sure my problem it's not that i hate the cast i don't have to cast cast is fine they do a good Mm -hmm. job i'm Mm -hmm. not a nitpicker with actors or anything like how acting is i can enjoy you know billy zane and nick cage if you're listening i love you i love you i love Um, you i can also enjoy like i don't know i do now cumberbatch or whatever who's like an excellent actor but um my problem is, is that when I read the books, I read the ones with the like beautiful art on the front mm. and every five pages, I would look at the cover again and be like, oh, that's cool looking. Cause it had like mm-hmm. land and samurai armor with many, he was, he was white and he had a red beard. And like, so I got these images specifically ingrained in my head and I'm like, this is different, which is yeah. fine. It's not like, oh my God, pitchforks. Yeah. But like every time I'm looking at the screen, I'm like, man. It's just not what I was looking at when I was reading it. So, you know, that's, I'm a visual person. That's yeah. just what it is. That's a common, compl- uh, I don't even want to say complaint, but a common thing with fandom, right? You get these certain ideas in your head and then they change mm-hmm. the aesthetics. Is really not, I think for some people, they're like, oh, you're just being woke and I hate you because you're woke or whatever. But there's also the folks who are like, you have a kind of a hard image in your head and then it yeah. takes you, a, it, it's an adjustment period. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I sympathize with what you're saying there yeah. for sure. Yeah. A lot of my gripes when it comes to fantasy or anything that's, you know, historical based is I have a really tough time looking away from things like you were discussing earlier, you know, armor and stuff like that. 
your bow and arrow thing. Yeah, I'm I've done never... medieval sword work and stuff like that and I've done combat fencing. I was actually pretty good at combat fencing, you know, and but I'm a re- I really appreciate archery and that's something I know a lot about. And every time somebody picks up a bow and they just ask any hunter who uses <laughs> a bow and arrow or you don't even have to pay him a lot. Give him a thousand bucks. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, one, you don't draw it with all five fingers. Now, granted, they did mention that in the show, if I remember right. I think that was it. But, you know, Rand pulls up the bow and he's got all four fingers on the string. You use two or three. You don't use all four because you'll throw your aim off completely. And then he had that bow strung. He never unstrung it. You're going to get what's so, called string follow and your bow is going to be shot. You're going to lose all the strength. And I, I pointed that one out to my wife and I thought I was pretty cool for saying, yeah. I, like, oh, I notice he's traveling with the bow strung. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even Aragorn had his, the string wrapped around it in his yeah, backpack. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that was Vigo, right? Cause yes, Vigo right. was like committed, you know, he researched that. But that one scene where he, I noticed it. And that's what really brought it out was the continuity his backpack switched sides on his shoulders three times in one <laughs> shot. That's that continuity prudes, Dean continuity oh, prudes. That is me, man. I'm like, come <laughs> on, you know, when they're doing stuff, you, you know, and you, even in modern stuff, if you hold up a gun and you've shot it six times, I better not see six bullets in the cylinder. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's little things like that. I feel so forgiving of this stuff. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, uh, as long as things look good, things sound good, the photography is good, the pacing is good, you know. Oh, no. Yeah, if I that, didn't notice it, it's not going to bother me in hindsight. Yeah. But like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. A lot of uh, uh, most of the stuff, I'm just like you guys, you know, if I'm yeah, entertained yeah. by it, great. That mu- I've, you know, if I go to a movie and I've paid my 15 bucks to see a movie and I was entertained for two hours, I'm happy. But yep. there are some things that I will always look for in a movie, no matter sure. what. It's weird because I've, you know, thinking about like uh, film uh, form and everything. Um, yeah, I, I often think like, where, where's the boom mic? Oh, yeah. I can tell the <laughs> yeah, camera. Yeah. Like, I can tell the camera is on a track. And like, so like whenever a show like actually gets me to forget that it's a production, which this one, I mean, it happens a lot. I'm always like, mm-hmm. it's so cool that I just like lost yes. this yeah. consciousness of this being a production. And mm-hmm. so I guess like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like we, we, you and I, Jason, mutually love the film Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a really good example of a film that I just get completely lost in. Like yeah. I feel brought into that crazy world. And when I get out, like I need to kind of shower off and, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, the, I love that feeling. The first movie that that ever happened, I'm sorry to interrupt, was Das Boot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've not seen that. I've heard that's oh my god. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I won't talk about Manny all that much, but just but Panos Cosmatos, his yeah. film production scripts are very loose. So, a lot of those scenes, it's like he kind of just puts things in the screen and then like has the actors do their thing. So, sometimes yeah. it's completely incoherent, but other times it's like it feels real. Because, you know, like that scene where he's pouring the vodka on his hands and stuff like that yeah. was like, just put the camera on, on, yeah. on him and do your thing. Yeah. If you, if you know how to shoot more real than Nick Cage. 
Nick Cage exactly. is real. Like, yeah. He is, man. I used to hate Nicolas Cage. I really could not stand him. And then certain movies are chipping it away for me now. And I'm like, yeah. I'm he's a, just a I'm... guy that plays himself. Yeah. He's himself to the max in yeah, every movie he plays. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. I just saw his more recent movie, Prisoner of the Ghost Land. And yeah. Yeah. I heard I that was not bonkers. good. Did anyone? real bonkers. Did anyone watch Pig? I heard Pig's very I good. I loved Pig. Pig. Yeah, I heard it was Pig, very good. Pig made me cry. I was yeah. I, I had oh. to wipe away a tear. So oh, wow. That's really good. His uh, seen uh, Five Nights at Freddy knockoff, I thought was fun. I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah. I Welcome it, to like, Wonderland or something. Yeah, Willie's Wonderland yeah, or something. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I heard that's watchable. Yeah. 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 So now we're talking about this is a Nicholas Cage Sorry. podcast. Nick Cage. Yeah, I I did it. <laughs> no, you did it because you brought up Mandy. Yeah. Uh, Matt. Yeah. Oh, I did it on purpose. Mandy, yeah, yeah. I always want to talk about that. And I watched The Lighthouse again last night, and I goddamn love that movie so much. Robert Pattinson's such a good actor. I feel bad for him because I think Twilight still like hangs over his No, he's he's bit. doing fine now, man. Yeah. He's freaking yeah. Batman. That's the most coveted role yeah, yeah. in Hollywood. So he's People doing are like, right. you don't want the guy from Twilight to do Batman. It's like, have you seen mm. any other movie he's in? Because he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like, he's fantastic. On. Yeah. How can an actor possibly play a different role? I know. It's ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> come on. It's like a parody before it leaves your lips. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, any final thoughts on Wheel of Time? We've been uh, going for quite a while here, and I think this is something we could even return to later and kind of put our cap on it. Yeah. Yeah. It has I, I think to- I might keep watching more, obviously. it's There's not a ton, I think, of fantasy, like good budget you know thoughtful you know people cared about it fantasy on television and so yeah, i mean we've got a good watch it we've got some good stuff coming like mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure is about to drop i suspect that's going to be better than season one which in my opinion was like good not great yeah um yeah. and they wrapped the the spinoff show not animated they already wrapped filming on the other uh prequel i think it was yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, I've heard that Witcher is friggin' huge for Netflix. Mm. Really? Yeah, it's it one of their it one of their biggest. Hmm. So, so you can expect to see a bit more of that. But yeah. And if these are successful, you know, we're gonna get more good stuff. And it sounds like you know, Wheel of Time is successful enough. Yeah. And while it may have lost some of those hardcore mega fans, I, I do feel for them, right? They've waited for this for a long time and it's not what they wanted. I do I sympathize with that. Um while I might not be in that same camp, um, you know, enough viewers, new viewers, people that are just interested in, you know, they, they're on board and that's good for fantasy in general. So I want to segue yeah. off of that and say, while I don't love this, I like it. Yeah. But the problem is that it has not piqued my interest to pick up the books. Well, yeah, nothing's going to do that to me. <laughs> there are yeah, too, there are too many. I'm going to even bank on that. I don't <laughs> well, know. I mean, that's part of the business strategy at this point, like the books are so old. Like, yeah, they've got reprints. I've seen them in the store. But I mean, don't you think that there's some thought or at least some hope that oh, you yeah. know? And I'm sure some will. It's just, yeah. you know, they, those books have already sold so much. Mm-hmm. That, like yeah. the show yeah. is really at this if point. If you're going to read that. them, you've already picked them up. Right. I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 Well, I am um, not going to read them. They'll merch it like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, like, this probably applies more to um, The Witcher or uh, um, I'm trying to think of like like another show. Long story short, the 
epic fantasy novel, when it's translated into television, it takes on some of the qualities of sword and sorcery. So it's almost like when you translate epic fantasy to television, it becomes more sword and sorcery because of the nature of the medium. I think I don't really work that idea out, but I I think, I think that's one of the, um, the reasons why I'm more enthusiastic about the show Mm -hmm. than I am about the novels. I would agree with that. I I would agree with that. Yeah. Episodic, right. Packed in there. Yeah. It's got to move. It's got to move. Exactly. Um, Yeah. You're not lingering on braids and uh, embroidery a lot because the book does <laughs> yeah i just remembered something that i couldn't and we're going back a ways to that film i mentioned flesh and blood it's jennifer jason lee oh jennifer jason lee yeah yes yes gotcha i didn't want to not know who that was there you go so not jessica lang spicy jessica like lang too she yeah but she'd have been a little old for that movie yeah yeah she probably would mm-hmm. too all, like, a old american horror yeah. story so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason, you should watch Flesh and Bloods from 1985. You'd love it. I need to watch it. You haven't seen it? No, I, I've not. I've like wanted to watch it for several oh, years and it's wow. not it's not streaming on anything. <laughs> nice and I've not seen it for made. sale. I just I didn't jump in, but I will it's... watch it. I heard that noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is that a bird in the room? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also, in terms of fantasy television, like I heard something about, you know, Conan is at Netflix, right? Anyways, I can't we say hope. anything about it. We hope. I, I, oh no, it, it's there. Yeah. Um, anyways, if what I heard comes to pass, I think we'll be happy is all I can say. Good. Yeah. Just do like a three episode arc for like the longer stories. Yeah. Just be like, like, yeah. Red nails could be like four hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love uh, the thing that I really like about that Netflix announcement was they talked about how they'll open it up to animation projects and things like that too. Like you could do, I, I would almost, I would even be down if the idea and this for the record is not what I was hearing. I'm not conflating these two things. Um, but if you had the short stories adapted in animation, and then, like the live action part was just uh, the in between stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd actually be fine with that because kind you can't you can't do a live action show where each episode is a brand new setting with brand new characters. Yeah, you can't what, do it. it what it's about? Not, it's not possible. What no, about the possible. formula that they do with uh, Love, Death, and Rockets? Where oh, love, death, and robots. Yeah, robots. Sorry, yeah, robots. Where some of it's live, some of it's animated, some of it's computer generated. You know, well, that's what, but that's kind of how I would see something for like yeah. a Conan's. If you adapted those stories in a animation, you can do whatever you want. They yeah. can be various different lengths. And did you guys hear that? Read that article where it was like, um, uh, one Tim, guy wanted red nails. Yeah, Tim yeah. Miller wanted to mm-hmm. do red nails for love death and robots yes like, yeah oh, that's but, awesome and, and they were even talking about getting arnold to voice it i was like oh yeah. my god it's so yeah, that'd be so that. cool yeah yeah, yeah. And why, don't know, like, right? why don't they do like a hybrid like um i know beowulf like really sucked but like like the <laughs> I whole like pro- beowulf the, i the, did like, too the logistics of like putting in the forms and all the different locations and all that stuff and like yeah. taxes and crap it's like why can't you just do like a blue screen with like live action actors? I mean, yeah. Star Wars basically does that. Or yeah. friggin' rotoscope Arnold in there. Yeah. Come on. 
Here we are. Oh. No, not rotoscope. I'm sorry. I just got excited. Um, <laughs> I, I really want them to de-age my favorite actors, like in uh, the Irish, the Irishman. You know, like oh uh, yeah, right. Like, when yeah. they de-aged everybody, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. just everybody. Arnold Schwarzenegger in like three new movies. Like, why not? Actually, the problem is with Arnold, you have to de-age his body. It's not as easy. <laughs> you can't put him in a suit and hide his his muscles. You know. <laughs> well, I saw a picture in an article. Um, Arnold's son. Yeah, looks a lot like him now. His quote-unquote, he's illegitimate son. And he's looking really? to get in the movies too, and I was like, I would accept Arnold's son. Mm-hmm. I you find know, it like I find him. I don't know much about it, but I find him so inspiring because, like, like I feel like there's a movie about him somewhere in there. Oh yeah, um, Arnold's quote-unquote illegitimate son, where. You know, you, I saw these old pictures where, like, I think this is before Arnold kind of embraced the fact that he was his son, and he was dressed up as, like, Conan on Halloween yeah. with his mom, and I was and like, my, heart, he's my little... heart hurts. And yeah. then later he grows up, and he's the one actually pumping the iron and getting mm-hmm. huge and looking like his old man as opposed to his, you know, his legitimate children. I'm like, that's a story. Yeah. <laughs> I love I that. I like it. I, I dig it. I'm rooting yeah. for him. Yeah, any kids from uh, what was it, Maria Shriver, are going to be about that big around. They're she's going like, to be girly men. Come yeah. on. Oh no, she's like <laughs> skin and bones. Yes, and she's a thin wa- lady. Watching Dune, Jason Momoa, he should totally be our generation's like sword and sorcery hero. Like, I, yeah, I know. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. why that. It really sucks that. Uh, well, I don't want to open up a can of worms, but the. the I mean, I, I like the original Conan movie. Uh, I mean, not the original. The um, Jason Momoa. I know you guys have talked about that that yeah, a lot. I like it. About, it's fine. Yeah, you know, like de- rehabilitating it from this complete <laughs> condemnation that you know, not very thoughtful. But at the same time, like I just, I wish, I wish he did more sword and sorcery. You know, yeah, I, agree. I would be willing to. I would take him back. Yeah, yeah easy. Like, as I, Duncan Idaho, there's that. Did you guys see the new Dune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the scene where he just kills all of the Sadakar and he saves, um, you know, Paul and mm-hmm. Jessica, like. That was like gorgeous. Like, yeah, there's just beautiful violence on the screen. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen him in the uh, series C, where he plays a blind tribal leader? Mm-mm. I've seen He's, clips. It's really good. It's really yeah, good. I heard uh, that's good. I can't get past the like sort of concept. Like, I can just hear a Hollywood guy. Like, here's the thing, right? Nobody <laughs> can see in the future, but they all look wicked and they got these awesome fighting skills. Well, it just seems like such a bad Hollywood concept, but I've heard it. It kind of rises above. And that. that's my wife's my wife and I watch all these things together. So when you give us assignments or me yeah. an assignment, it, you're giving it to my wife. Also. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to hate, hate us eventually. She's also really good in this uh, Canadian historical called Frontier. He's a fur trapper. Right. Really good. Oh, that's awesome. On Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's that's historic. Uh, it's pretty like raw historical. Fiction. Yeah, yeah. It's like Hudson Bay Company. Yeah. Um, fur trade type stuff. Yeah. That's it's awesome. real good. It's violent. <laughs> I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think like that we've uh, ultra violence. I think we've yeah. kind of wrapped it up, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. We've, this was when we had a talk before and we're like, let's keep these episodes a little more bite-sized and a little more accessible for people's commutes. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, listen to it in two sessions, jabronis. It's not my yeah, fault. We got things fine. to say. Come it's on. No, button. you listen to it like I listen to all of your past episodes at 1.5 speed. Get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I listen to my audiobooks like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I do not. I keep it pure. Some narrators are just really, really slow. And that that's fine. But sometimes they're really, really slow. So I just All finished right. just finished the latest uh Abercrombie book and I'm finishing up the latest Abercrombie audiobook with my wife. Man, we need to get that guy on this podcast. Yeah, let's get Joe on here. Yeah. All right, let's do it. You got um, any connections? You email Jason? Him. Jason, you email. got connections with Abercrombie? No, Brit- a lot of British fantasists. I don't, I don't know a lot. You want Abercrombie? I'll get Abercrombie. I'll yeah. Get okay. Come on. Well, who do you think you're talking to here? Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> I'll text I def- him right now. Yeah, come on. I'll text Joe here. Come I don't on. have a feeling he would tear us up. Yeah. No, he's actually, he's a, he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's, he's a nice he's guy. He's like a nice guy. I'll, no, here's my plan. I'll be like, Joe, I hear you, uh, you write the, the British fantasy I was hoping to do the movie. I'm going to play the guy and the <laughs> the guy with the nine fingers. Uh, just call me back. I'm at California. <laughs> That'll work. That'll call work. Call California. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. No more. No. Joe Abercrombie will not resist an invitation from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He will go. No, no one can. No one can. No one yeah. can. Uh, so I want to take us out as David Attenborough um, because we were talking about narrators. So... Go for it. Be sure to come back next time and that your swords always remain sharp.